one of the things I had asked for us to do last week was each and every one of us to come up with, to start asking some people some questions. Start asking them, if you have a question about God or a question about the Bible, what, what would that question be? Um, I had talked about a couple of terms last week, exegesis and eisegesis, and, and how we can, we can assume that we know, and we, we kind of direct, in, in, and I kind of translated that or, or took that to say something for us, that we can assume that we know what people's questions are, but really it actually helps us to actually dig down and ask, what, are, what do you got for me? We can assume that we know what people's needs are, Maybe by looking at a surface level view of those needs. Whatever you see at the surface is not actually what's going on. Do we understand that? When I was doing a lot more counseling, that was one of the things that, um, now if anyone ever comes for pastoral counseling, I'll, I'll do things a little bit differently, don't worry. But um, <laughs> but that was one of the things that we, we would often talk about. And this is one of the things I, I, I would present to each and every one of us. It's not like a trade secret. Something you can, that's, that's pretty, pretty basic, is that whatever problem you present with, also known as the presenting problem, is almost never the actual problem. Right? Almost never. Th there are times when, sure, that, that may be important. It may be an important thing to talk about and to consider. Totally fine. You know, presenting problem is, well, I, I won't go into it whatever that may be, because I don't want to make light of anything necessarily, but that may be, this is what's presented, but, but really, ultimately, it's what's deeper. We find in the Gospels that that's exactly what Jesus did. We find actually in the epistles as well, that Jesus, his disciples, the apostles, they would address surface level things, but then they would always take it down deeper. There would be surface level questions that would be asked, but really what that was doing is that was touching something that was much, much deeper in their lives. You ever get in an argument with somebody and you can't get past the opening statement? You know why? Even if it's something that's just so seemingly innocuous or just, just kind of basic. You know why? It's because whatever's at the surface is attached to something that's much deeper. It's much more meaningful. I gave an example of this one time about being a bad parent. Anybody ever remember that example that I gave? It was, it was kind of, it was, it was part of the message, and I talked about how um, an example, a real-life example of this is if, if, you're, if you're, your child is not receiving, like if you're trying to feed your, your toddler or feed your baby some food, you know, that's always super successful, right? And where does it end up? Everywhere except for where it needs to go. That's where it ends up. But you're trying to feed them, and they're not, and they're not really receiving it very well. What the reason why people can get really stressed out or have a hard time about that is that translates to the, translates to them being a horrible person. Now you may say, well, how does this spoon not getting in that kid's mouth translate to this person being a horrible person? Well, here's how it translates: is it translates and says, I don't even have the capacity or the ability to feed my child, and if I don't have the capacity or the ability to feed my child. I must not be a very good parent. If I'm not a very good parent, that must mean that I have failed in some way. And if I have failed in some way at even the most basic thing in feeding my child, I must not be a very good person. As a matter of fact, probably just a horrible person. Now, that might seem like a silly route to take, but people take those routes every single day. 
in, in all different kinds of contexts or examples. People ask questions. You might say, well, that's kind of a silly question to ask. It might be a silly question to ask, but that silly question or that question that seems rather surface level is actually attached to something that's much, much deeper. That's why the question is coming up. We can spend a lot of time just addressing the question, just addressing the surface level things, and that's maybe where we can, can get bogged down in is the surface level things. But what I'm trying to help maybe help us today as disciples making disciples is not just the surface level things, but where does that translate down into? And you don't have to be super intelligent or super spiritual, although you are, you are all very intelligent and very spiritual, or one or the other. You know, so they don't always go hand in hand. But anyway, <laughs> okay. Anyway, but you don't have to be you don't have to be a superhero of faith, right? You don't have to be a Hebrews eleven Christian and and a hero of faith to like really to to dig down deep. You can really just sense that there's something maybe something is is amiss or something is going on, you don't have to have all the right answers. You just kind of have to ask the right questions. But Jesus, Jesus led people to where they needed to be by asking questions. He also led them to where they needed to be by listening to their questions. For a long time, maybe we've not been great at that, although I think the, the, the um, narrative for that has changed uh, substantially here is that we, we invite questions. Like, ask the questions. It's not that we have all the answers. I'll, I'll tell you, between myself and, and the, the many others who would stand behind this pulpit or any pulpit or, or sit in these chairs, we don't have all of the answers. But, but God has all the answers. His word has all the answers. Or at least the answers we need. Okay. So I have a handout, and I'm wondering if I could get a little help handing out this handout. Molly, would you be able to help me? All right, come on up. Can you take take these and hand those, start handing those out to people? Where? Well, I don't trust Violet. I would ask Violet, but I don't really trust her. Sister Molly, oh, thanks for stepping up. I know her too well. She's four, but only four. Thank you. No, not Molly. <laughs> not Sister Molly. What you're getting and what you're receiving is a, a, the beginnings of some questions that have been asked. So I, I'd asked last week that we would go ahead and take some time and start to ask folks, um, well, what is, if you have one question about the Bible, one question you would want to ask God or, or about God today, one question about the Bible, what would that be? So go ahead and ask, start asking some people. So these are some questions that were asked. I've uh, put them on one sheet. There were some more that were asked, and I see that there's one uh, a sheet that's kind of just been set up here that I haven't looked over these. These have not been, uh, these haven't been gone through to, uh, to meet the standards of the dictatorship. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I haven't gone over these just yet. Um, how, many, how many did this? How many just, and it's not like any shame or anything like that if you didn't. I'm just curious. How many people just kind of just asked the question to somebody, hey, do, what questions do you have about God? Do you have any questions about God? Okay. There's, all right, there's a few hands. All right, that's, that's all right. It's okay. Like, don't, don't get all upset if you didn't or anything like that. Sometimes opportunities. But this, it's, a, it's a really innocent and, and basic opportunity to just bridge the question or bridge maybe a gap by asking a question. Hey, look, we're doing this study in, in Scripture. Do you have any questions about God? 
doing a study in our, in our church, doing a Bible study. We're just trying to figure out what, what questions do people have. Doing a Bible study tomorrow morning. Um, I have a weekly Bible study, uh, and I'm doing it tomorrow morning again. And um, this is one of the things that come up is I ask them, I said, well, what, if you, you or your wife have any questions, I'll, I'll share you a little testimony about that. That's a really exciting thing if you have just a minute. Uh, really exciting thing about that is that this individual I'm doing a Bible study with, he and his wife were on totally different pages as far as what they believe um, biblically and, and you could say religiously or within Christianity. Whoa. It's real. It's real. Okay. So they're on totally different page, pages, and, and I'll just be maybe a little bit transparent. She was staunchly... Catholic. Great people. Staunch, she was staunchly Catholic. And he didn't know what to do about that. He said, I, I just I can't see that being the truth, and, and here we are, and now we're stuck. I'm like, you're not stuck. Well, what do I do about it? Every time I bring it up, it causes a fight. Well, I said, stop bringing it up. <laughs> like, let's start there. Let's stop bringing it up. I said, you pray. Well, what's that going to do? I said, do a whole lot more. Then you bring it up and turn it into a fight. That's what it'll do. He said within two weeks, he, he's been praying for a, couple, a few years now, but he said within two weeks, he said, you know, there's something, I'm, I'm starting to have some, some different thoughts. And about two weeks after she made that initial statement, he said, I can't do it anymore. I, I got to go. I got to find the truth. I have to find what's true. I have to find the truth. We have to understand is that the Lord tells us in his word, that our Father is drawing the hearts. He's pulling people. And he wants it so much more than we would even want it. And right now in our world that we're in, he's pulling every heart. That, that's, he's just trying to pull every Whosoever will, he's pulling. The call is going out. Some, it's falling on deaf ears, as it were. People that just won't hear it. Some, it's resonating in saying, okay, I, there's some truth out there. What we have to understand is that there is a truth. Our world tells us that there are many truths. How many of you have heard in the last several years, your truth? That's one of the most ignorant statements in the world. Your truth? Like, your truth? Like, your truth is different than, than my truth? And neither one of them is really true. Like, there's only one truth. Okay. And we're striving, we're striving to, to really just that discovery. You can have your story. Okay? You can have your story. And that's fine. We all have our, our stories. But there, when it comes to what is true, there is only one truth. And it's found in this, it's found in this book. The words of God, like even the disciple says, where else would we go? We only have in you the words of life. You're the only one that's alive. So what you have in front of you today are um, questions. These are some questions that have been submitted. I think these are some interesting, interesting questions, and some of them really strike down deep. Some of them are, <laughs> I want to refer you to questions number 20 and 21. Let's just cover those first. Take your pen and write, I don't know. It's all one word. It's Greek. I don't know. 
<laughs> like, don't get on your conspiracy pages or anything like that. This is not a time for conspiracy theories. Okay? And that's one of the things our world has gone to. Sadly, that's one of the things many Christians have gone to is conspiracy theories. Now, when you're here, all of a sudden, if that triggers you and you, you feel like, are you accusing me? But you should really see what they're doing. I, look, I, I can't, I'm not worried about what they're doing. Right? Because if we get so distracted about what they're doing, we're going to miss what's going on right here. No, I don't know if we really grasp that, right? Like if we get so distracted at worrying about what somebody, and putting all of our energy into what they, the, the ethereal they, who are they anyway? Right? Like, if we get so distracted in what they're doing, we're going to miss what's going on with what God is doing. And God is prompting questions in people's hearts and minds and, and saying, well, if we understood these theories, that's not going to answer these questions. I'm, I'm just like any one of you. I, w- I would love to dive into some of that stuff. I'd love to dive in and go down there and find out what's going on and what's really happening down there. But if... if we spend all, how much free time do you have? Like if we spend all of our effort and energy and free time into that, and then, quite frankly, and I'm not trying to be mean tonight. I always say that. Like I'm not trying to. It just comes naturally. Like, but if we put all of our time or even some of our time and effort and energy into that, that you can't get back, what are we missing? We're missing that conversation with somebody across the table where they ask a question like, why has God allowed me to go through all I've gone through when I've been faced with this? That's an uncomfortable question, isn't it? I want to be able to answer that. I want to be able to answer it without pointing to local or, or recent news stories. Because that's where I'm drawing from. That's the well that I'm digging, right? I want to dig a deeper well within, within these scriptures. Do you realize that you, I did this once in my, well, not once, I did this often in my counseling practice, is to, as a counselor, I can't interject religion, personal beliefs into, into counseling. If I do that, I'll get kicked out. I'll lose my license, too, especially in today's time. Ooh. But what I would often do is I would often cite scripture without saying this is found in the Bible in this chapter and verse. I'd often just quote it. There's a, there's a really old saying that says this, right? This really old proverb. Can't be found in the book of Proverbs, but <laughs> like there's a really old proverb. It says there's safety in a multitude. There's a really old proverb that says you can't lean on your own understanding. That when you do that, you'll find your end in destruction and that you have to seek out truth. What do you think he's saying? Like, like, the point is, when you begin to seek this word, this word, like this word here, when you begin to seek scripture that you've become intimately familiar with, All of a sudden, there's a power, I believe, anyway, I believe there's a power in that. 
for you a church that's built for you. Know that you're his and the power of that. So here's what I want us to do tonight. Um, we're in some tables. We've got some side tables here. If folks feel comfortable and aren't too afraid of the pandemic that is still happening. Um, if you're not too afraid uh, or, or concerned with that, I want, I'm going to invite you to kind of maybe get, in, get into some smaller groups with your tables if, and with other folks if you would like to. And um, we're going we're gonna to go through a couple of these questions. I want us to actually talk about them. This isn't one of those things where it's like, okay, take this home and talk about it and come back next week. Because you know what's going to happen? Nothing. <laughs> because we have a drama and we have a Resurrection Sunday and we have busy lives and we have YouTube. So, um, so I want you to just go ahead, find some tables. And what I'd like you to do is pick each table, just pick a couple of questions, two questions. Two questions. Not all 21 of them. So, so, here, so hold on. Before you, before you keep diving, before you keep going deep, hold on. Time out, everyone. We're gonna, I need to give you a little more instructions, though. I need to give a little more instructions just so we're all on the same page. Just so we're all on the same page here tonight. I love nights like this because this gives us opportunity to, I mean, beforehand we're just chatting and talking, and that's fine. But now we're, we're going to just dive a little bit deeper into to some subjects here tonight. Um, what I'm going to ask you to do in your discussion is I'm going to ask you to pick two questions. Now, one of the beauties of having a group of people in your table is that you have different people that see things differently. Right? You have people that interpret these questions in different ways. Here, here's something. Who, who is really good, like, Jesus' parables? When, we talk, when you hear Jesus' parables or you read, like, in, the, in, in like, Proverbs where, where metaphors are given, and you just don't get it. Is that anybody else but me? I was like, I read it, and I'm like, I don't really know Sounds like there's some seeds getting planted. I don't know. It's, I, I'm hungry. That's all I know. Like, like, just metaphors don't always make sense. Then when somebody explains it, I go, oh, now I get it. Yeah, that makes sense. So why don't you just say that? <laughs> so the point is, you have some people in your table that are maybe a little more literal. You have some people at your table that see things a little bit differently, have a little bit of different perspective. I want you to kind of rely on each other. There's not one right or wrong way to perceive these questions. But in your answering, what I, want to, uh, what I want us to do is I want us to use this book as our guide. Not your opinion. Why did Joe Biden get elected? I don't know why Joe Biden got elected. Oh, he did. Okay. Y'all are so funny. Y'all are so funny. Okay. Ha, ha, ha. Stop that. We're, you know what? That question, it's off the list. You can't answer that. <laughs> and the other one, where did COVID come from? You can't answer that one either. <laughs> okay. Unless, there's a caveat to that. Unless, unless you're really serious 
about diving deep on some of this. And that's where perspective comes in handy. Because you might say, when somebody's asking those questions, what are they really what are they really after? What do they really think? So there's two things I want you to do. Number one, I want you to search, and it's not a this is you're not I'm not asking you to find comprehensive and all-conclusive answers to this within every scripture that you can find. But I'm asking you to get in your Bible and search the scriptures. I'm going to even, I'm going to even not like allow, like I, you can or can't do it. You're adults. You can do whatever you want. But um, I'm even going to say if you want to use our, our favorite concordance, also known as Google, like, like go for it. Just, just realize you're not always going to have Google. Because pretty soon the Bible is not going to be accessible through that. Anyway, that's a, that's a conspiracy theory. So. But it's not far from the truth. So I want you to find scripture to address these questions. So as a group, find two questions to address. I want you to find some scriptures to address it. And then for those of you who see things differently, I want you to maybe talk in your groups about digging down deep. Where is, what might, what is it this potentially connected to? So, so start with, just start with one question, okay? We, we're already 27 minutes into our Bible study, so just start with one because we want to open up some discussion here and get the microphone. So let's just start with one, and, uh, and hopefully we won't all pick the same one. But, uh, and have at it. Have at it. Go ahead. You want me to be in this group? Can I?
All right. Just checking to see how we're doing. Everyone doing all right? We answering all the questions and problems in the world? All right. We got about got about five more minutes. Five more minutes. I'm going to ask your group to articulate a response, a brief response. So I'm going to ask your group when you're we got about five more minutes, but I'm going to ask your group to articulate a brief response. And by brief, I mean. No more than two minutes. Preferably much less than that. No more than two minutes. No more than two minutes. We don't have, we don't have time for a dissertation or a thesis. So.
You're good. I'm just, I'm just eavesdropping. That's a good question. You should. We have a couple groups that are asking this one, so you should. When they ask you, should say, you know, what's the flip side to that? What's the? Because I think that's. Like, I was faking it, but he finally said it. So. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. We are, we are running out of time, and I want to make sure to redeem the time. Brother Thacker used to say he was our district superintendent for years in Minnesota. He was, he'd be getting into our district conference, and brother, let's redeem the time. Let's get together, and let's talk about the words of the Lord today. But we're going to redeem the time, and um, just we're going to get a couple of groups in. I, before uh, we get into this, are you enjoying this? Is this all right? Is this is this okay? All right. Normally we could. I uh, hope you don't feel like this is time wasted. I think for me, I I feel like this is time well spent. Normally we could say things like, "Well, I could have just done that. We could have just gotten in groups and tables on our own." Um, when was the last time you did that? <laughs> last time we did it down here. Okay, that's okay. Great. <laughs> all right. Um, what I want to do is I'm just going to kind of start here. And work around because I know some of the questions that have been asked, and, and I'm really interested in some of the responses. So I want to start with this table right over here. The question. I'm just going to give the mic to whomever and wherever it lands, and hopefully there's a cogent response. So, all right. So so ask. Tell me what number it is, and then I'll ask the question, and then you can kind of give the discussion and the response. Is that just one of them. That's a good start. 18. No, no, no. Not one. Oh. 18. 18. Okay. All right. This is, an in, this is an interesting one. Religious mediums. Is it okay? Prompted by a Christian family member that use mediums versus other family members that advise that God's word says not to participate in such things. Also speaks of a woman who is developing her ability in this area and explains she is Christian and uses the Bible in her efforts or something to this effect. So, religious mediums, is this okay to participate in? So we were, I'd had a question about this until recently. I didn't really understand if it seemed like it was a good place, but it's any kind of, like Dustin, if you're opening doors to the other side to um, to 
stress or you're having other issues or um, take advantage of your vulnerabilities, everything like that. Um, so no, because you're opening the door for, you know, Satan to come into you and take you and take twist words and get your vulnerabilities and um, and might get like some relief and stuff and then use it in other ways. Um, so we don't think it's okay because you're not opening doors and opening the light of God. All right. All right. Thank you. Anybody else from the table have any additional in- input or insight? All right. Yeah. Is there a scripture? Go ahead, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, G, G read there. <laughs> so, scripturally, scripturally we, we brought up the story of Saul. Uh, Saul found himself in a dark place. Uh, his back was against the wall. Uh, he had formerly cast out all of the witches in the land, but he took a trek by night to try to find some spiritual counsel, and he sought out a witch. And that witch called up a what we call a familiar spirit. And this is where we got into the point of um, that there, there's power on that other side to be able to tell you some things that sound familiar, that sound enticing. And Saul called up Samuel, or so the spirit said, and um, you guys know the rest of the story. I hope so. It wasn't it, good. It wasn't good. It wasn't, it wasn't good, good next day. So asked him, would he get through? And um, next day he was killed in battle by his son. Thank you very much. For the record, this is a medium. This is a channel. The the Word of God is a channel that we can derive truth from. This is is the medium we need. Yeah, okay. All right. Let's go to this table over here. Um, I'm just going to set this down again. I, I like doing that. It's safer for me. And uh, get the rock scissors. Which question are we on? Okay, we're going to do question number eight. Question number eight. Okay, so somebody had written this and said, I wonder why he, and if, you, if this is a question that you did and you really wanted to answer that, um, raise your hand and we'll come to you next so we can get kind of some other perspective. So so imagine, so we're talking about this. Imagine somebody, not me, not us, although maybe this resonates with some of us, and that's fine. Imagine somebody asks you. This, this a, so a real person asks this question, like a real person who needs an answer, who's, who wants to know the truth. I wonder... Why he created all of this? Why does he not just save us all? Or on the flip side, why doesn't he just let us all die in our sin? Meaning, why is he so merciful? A lot of layers there, right? A lot of things going on in that question. So. And there are a lot of layers, and I don't think we answered all of those questions, but this is what we had. Um, So... 
Genesis 127 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. And so we're created in God's image and likeness. Um, we have the ability to love him, worship him, serve him, and fellowship with him. We're created to have personal relationship with him. And he also gave us um, free will so that we can choose um, whether we want to have a relationship with him. Um, and why doesn't he save us all? God is um, he's love, but he's also holy, and he can't abide sin. That's all I have. Okay. So I want to dive in a little bit deeper here because that's good. Did anybody else have that question? <laughs> you just set the mic down. You're like, dive in as deep as you want. I'm not answering, though. Okay. Where in this From this group, since you spent some time talking about this, where do we think maybe that question's coming from? What, what, maybe that's the presenting problem as I talk about the surface level. And it's, it kind of got a little bit deep for surface level. Where, where do we think that that might be connected to? What do we think is going on? So is it people trying to find purpose in life? So somebody that's lost and genuinely doesn't know where to go. Somebody that needs evidence. Oh, right. Right. Asking God, like, okay, God, where are you? where's God in all this? What's he do? He's not doing anything. This is the this is the wisdom came in. I tried to sit down and they told me I couldn't sit down. <laughs> to me, this person is asking a basic question about sin, not knowing where does sin come from. Do we all sin? I think I would start with uh, the scripture that says, "All have sinned and come short of the glory of God." To understand that there is a good in, in the world and there's bad. There's sin and there's God's grace. And to know, again, then to know how to bridge from being in sin, how to bridge into being where you have a relationship with God and explaining a relationship with God. Also, um, why is he so merciful? Well, he is not willing that anyone should perish. So he wants all to come to repentance. So there's a plan, but it was messed up. And he, like you guys said, he created free will. So it's really up to us whether we choose to accept him or not. 
but he's not willing So are we, are we digging down deep in this? Are we kind of tracking down? Because you're, you're presented with that question. Okay, you're presented with that question. Take a little bit deeper. Here, here's some of the things I would play off when I hear that. When I hear somebody say, it sounds like they're lost. It sounds like you're, you're, you're searching, saying, where is God? In, in honesty... I think this might rub us the wrong way a little bit, but in honesty, I think that's the answer to the question, is to reflect back to them what they're really saying. To reflect back and say, it sounds like you feel like you're lost. When I hear that, it sounds like you're saying, God, I just want you to show up. Boom. Yes. That's what I'm really saying. I'm really asking, like, God, where are you and are you going to show up? Now, now, now let's talk. Now let's talk. How does he show up? Now let's 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 keep going. Now let's keep going. Now when you when you hit that nerve, you ever been to the? You ever had your nerve hit? I'm not talking about your kids or something like that. I'm talking about a nerve, a real nerve. A dentist goes poking around. It's like, what are you doing back there anyway? He goes poking around and gets it. And that lightning, you know, and you're like, woo, yeah, that's it right there. You got the spot. That's what happens when, when, when you say something that resonates deep down. They go, it's that, yes, that's exactly it. If all we're looking to do is rapid fire, question, answer, question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. Jesus says, let's, let's take it down a little bit deeper. Of course, the point really isn't maybe the question, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the point is not just to provide the answer. Because you know what you can do? What some of you already did. You can grab your phone and look up Google. Why is there so much evil on this earth? And you can see a philosopher at a university giving a lecture. So, all right. Well, since the microphone is here, let's let's dive in. What question are we at? All right. So the question we did uh, was number five. Number Do five. pastors marry the church? Do pastors marry the church? No. Yeah. So Next the, question. Yeah. So you're, you're right. So the the, Sorry, ahead, the answer ahead. is no. Um, but um, just a little bit of context to that that question. So the woman who asked me, um, she is a Catholic, um, and when she asked it, I knew exactly what she was talking about um, because that is how they view things at their church. Um, they believe that the priest basically marries the church, like, and it's it's like a ceremony, like he marries the church. Um, and so it's more literal than anything, and that's just how they understand it. So um, the scriptures that we um, have are Ephesians 5, 22 to 33, and it talks about Paul um, comparing the union to husband and wife to the union between Christ and the church. Um, and then 1 Timothy 2, 5, for there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all. So kind of understanding um, a little bit more about, like, how they view things in Catholicism, they, um, you know, they believe that the priest is at the head. So essentially, he's putting himself at the top 
Um, and then in First Timothy, it basically says, no, there's one mediator and it's Jesus. Good. <laughs> Lizzie's just like, good, good, move the mic on to somebody else. No. No, go ahead, yeah, so let's dig. So then then we kept digging, yeah. and then we brought up the point, well, if someone comes from a Catholic background and the priest is what they know and the, the role of the priest is that, then when they, if they which, come out of which, that. Which, time out, which, what is the role of a priest? Mediator between God. Mediator between God and man. Okay, so, right, so, so man, so. It's the communication that need makes. Right. The in between. The, the everything. Okay. So then if they, they then go to a Protestant church who has pastors, then then there that has does that have a different meaning, a different role? And yes, there is a different role. And so then Lucas found the scriptures that talk about what a pastor is. Oh, he's like, Balin told you. Dope. <laughs> First Peter 5. Let's start with verse 1. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, who is that? Jesus. Yeah. When he appears, you will receive the crown of the glory that will never fade away. What does that mean? Yeah, you're, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. But so let's say you're, let's say you're talking about that. How, how do you, what does that speak to? What does that mean? Let's go. I don't know if we need to talk about this anymore. It's getting late. Like, who would want to be a pastor? Right? Good question. <laughs> um, and we'll, if we could pass that mic then back to Sister Hamilton. Um, I'll, I'll say this to that point. As a, as a pastor, not like we have a lot of leaders and people that would be considered pastors. The notion of pastor does not simply mean a, a replace, like a priest replacement in a Protestant church. Pastor is shepherd. We've done ourselves a bit of a disservice by elevating the role and position of pastor to understand that, Lucas, you're a pastor. You're a pastor. Over the flock, you're like, well, where's the, no, you're, 
value. Well, listen, you're, you're a pastor. We don't call each other pastor so-and-so, right, necessarily. But it's separate. And if we think that it only stops at one person, it absolves ourselves of responsibility. And I, I would contend that a person can never truly mature until mature and grow until they take on responsibility. That's, <laughs> that's why we have a generation full of man babies. Full of man babies. Immature men, yeah, that's a, probably a more polite way to say it. That have never taken on any responsibility and have shunted that back to their parent or, I'm going to be a little bit careful here, but to the government or to other people, other authority figures. And said, so, well, I'm not going to, I don't need to do that. I'm not going to take that on. And, and as a result of that, they've stunted their own maturity in a really detrimental way in our society. That when you oversee, when you, when you become an overseer and have some responsibility, so when we look at that, we dive a little bit down deeper in that question, does, does a pastor marry the church? Really, one of the things I would speak to is that, well, if you say what's the role of the pastor, then the flip side to that coin is what's the role of the sheep? Right? And it's a, it's a role that works together. It's not just top down. It's a role that these are roles in the church that work together. So yeah, you could come alongside somebody and say, you know, this is, this is, this is kind of what we see as, as a pastor, but what does that mean for us? That, that opens up the door for us as, as members of this flock to see what it is the role of the sheep. I could get into that, but I'm that's a that's that's great. All right, um, I Sister Ham, did you have something to kind of throw I in was, there as well? Yeah, just in in reference to that, I was raised Catholic while I was young, um, before my parents started looking for more and then found their way to a little home mission at smaller church. But addressing kind of the the deeper question of well, the priest does this and marries the church and has Catholicism, what does the pastor do? Well, the Bible says a couple different times that we are a royal priesthood. All of us. That was God's intent when he took Israel out of Egypt was that they would all, every single one of them, be a priest, be a mediator between God and men, talk to God directly themselves. It was never supposed to be Moses' job on behalf of everybody else or Aaron's job or one person. And, you know, it's repeated in the New Testament as well by Peter, I believe, who's supposed to be the first pope, you know, <laughs> according to irony tradition, too, so um, which is an interesting, yeah, irony, as, as you said, but that might give a little more context for something to think about. Part of our role as sheep is to be a priest as well. All right. Very good. Okay. Well, since the microphone's there, let's see, can we, do we have time for, for one or two more? Doing all right? Yep. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Just got time. Everyone else, let's scoot on out. <laughs> you and me, we're having a conversation, I guess. So. Just you and I. Yeah, what, what, what question did that table have? Well, 
our question was, we took number, where did we go? 16, thank you. And that ties into also question number 19 a little bit, um, but we didn't get really that far. All right, so question number 16, somebody is asking the question, what does God look like? Great question. And being the literal guy that I am, um, I went to Genesis one twenty seven where it says God created man in his own image. And then also in Matthew where the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and Jesus was born through mankind. So like I told my kids when they were younger, when you look in the mirror, you're looking at the face of God because you're created in his image. And but then around the table. They. We kind of went, what does God look like? Not just Jesus. And I realized Jesus is God, but what does God actually look like? And we went with John 4, 24, God is a spirit. And we can't see, and then we also went to, was it John 3, where it says the wind blows as, so we don't know what God actually looks like. We're just relating how Jesus is in the, was the, the manifestation of God. He was Godhead. He, in Colossians, it says he was the Godhead bodily in all things were within him. So I am a little or literal person, as you know. So that's what I said. Well, that's what we look like. We look, we look like God. But there's so many different variables of what God actually looks like. Because as John came says, we, we can't see what, we can't behold him. Otherwise, we will die. Like in Moses in Exodus, um, God wouldn't show him, show his face to Moses even though he asked. Because he will die. So what does God look like? That's a great question. Anybody else? We figured the deeper question here is really, how do we know there's a God if we can't see him? You know, and with all these movies popping up about, you know, people having dreams of, you know, Jesus or God or going to heaven or, you know, or whatever, just coming from all these different directions, it does make people wonder. And as people, we like to see things. And that was half the problem in the Old Testament with Israel is they wanted a God they could see. And so they kept making them own, their own. And God kept saying, don't do that. <laughs> you know, like, I'm taking care of you. Can't you see what I'm doing? You know, what I'm doing and what I'm, how I'm blessing you. And they kept always going back to something they could see and touch. And so God came in a human body to give us something we could see. And while uh, Jesus said to Thomas, you know, you believe because you've seen, you've seen my scars. You've seen me. I'm, I was dead. Now I'm alive again. But blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. We, we walk by faith, not by sight. We have to believe. But my kids have asked questions similar to this. How do we know the Holy Ghost is real? How do we know God's really moving? Like, how do you know that we're right? And, you know, when there's all these other things out there, it's like, what do you experience that we can feel? Maybe we can't always see it, but you can see the effect on people's faces. You can see the change in somebody when they're filled with the Holy Ghost, and you feel that, that joy and that presence and that peace. 
that's what we see now. But one day, the Bible says, we'll see face to face. Now we see through a glass darkly, but one day we'll see him as he is. And Revelation gives us a little more picture. I was thinking, too, about Jesus. And Revelation 5 talks of him as the lion and the lamb, kind of two different sides of God. And then Revelation 19, it gives this whole word picture of him coming back as the victorious king of kings on a white horse with the crown, the sword, enemies falling all over the place. You know, one day we will see him. It says every eye is going to see him, but for now we have to walk by faith. But our faith comes from some experience as well, from what we can see and what we can feel as we seek him. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, why don't we stand together tonight? I, I know there are a lot more to go to, and hopefully, this has um, been somewhat edifying and helpful. Ultimately, um, at the end of the day, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, it says, You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. So you are the walking epistles. You are what we're seeking. Before they ever see or understand the words in this book, they see read you. One of the things I want to make sure that's not lost in all of this, however, is, is this notion. That these are real people asking real questions. And let me tell you, there's, when you talk about mediums, you can, Google is a medium. Google's a medium. Your computer screen or your tablet, your phone, it's a, it's a medium through which you can perceive information. And Google searches will lead people places to, to wherever. God didn't, if, when we look in this book, God didn't create Google to answer the questions of the world. He created us. He created us. He created his church. We are the, and this is already said, we are the, the his church in this, in this age is the fulfillment that God gave to the promise, uh, the promise of Abraham in Genesis 21. That you're going to be a blessing to all, it's by you, through you and your descendants, that all the nations of the world will be blessed. Through his church, his people. You're the medium through which this book, the truth of God's word, letter to humanity is, is to be delivered. If we put a cap on that, if we put a mask on it, as it were, no, if we put a muzzle on this medium, if we stop that, it's exactly what the world is, is moving toward, is silencing you. You can live however you want, just be quiet. 
this is the season and the time where the, where the church, the people of God, have to be vocal. Fully understanding that the questions that are being asked are from real people who, who really need to know the answer, the truth. They really need to know Jesus. I'll say this as, as we close out. I'm a part of a um, couple of forums um, for, for pastors and ministers. And I think they're, for the most part, kind of a waste of time. <laughs> but I asked a question on there yesterday about something that I, I was just curious about, and I put a qualifier. I asked if anybody had any constructive feedback. Because oftentimes, here's the, t- the tone of our world is not constructive. It's destructive. The tone of our world is very cynical. When people are asking questions, it's not our job to be cynical and destructive back. It's our job to build on that, to, to dig down deep, to get to the foundation, and then start to build on that. We can only, the only way that we can do this, and this is where I'm giving a call for us tonight, Fall in love with this book. Fall in love with this book. Fall in love again with Jesus and be full of the Holy Ghost. Be be full of the Holy Ghost as Christians because he will give you the words to say, but you have to have a well to draw from. So begin, I want to just encourage somebody, fall in love with this book. Again, let's, let's, let's get back in just to the purity of what this book has to say. And when the questions come, the answers will come from from God, from his word. Let's not muzzle or silence the church. Let's be a voice in the world as well. If you have some more questions, I'm going to ask you to submit those. Some of you said I have some I didn't submit them yet. Um, We're going to come back next week, and we're going to kind of do a little bit of a variation on what we're doing tonight. But so it is going to be a little bit different. It's not just going to be the same thing for the next until until rapture. So um, (laughs) this is Pastor Nathan Kirk, and I am so glad that you have decided to make Greater Life a part of your day by tuning into the message that you're about to hear. We here at Greater Life are a group of people that are passionate about living for Christ as well as service one to another. From our worship services, classes, and messages, we strive to love and serve with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I hope you enjoy the message you're about to hear, that it is a blessing to you, and that in turn you may be a blessing to others. If you're searching for a church to call your home, I encourage you to join us here at Greater Life.